Hey everyone, and welcome to Generations Church Podcast. This is John, the engagement pastor at Generations Church, and I'm sitting here with our lead pastor, Kyle Davies. This week, we switched it up again, and we're in we your garage. Did. So We did. I know. Maybe some week we'll actually pick a place and stay consistent, but kind of fun being on the on the fly. Oh, but. yeah. <laughs> change the location, change the scenery. I know. Let's do this. It's crazy, man. We're sitting here in the Pacific Northwest here in Vancouver. I got my coffee. You got your feel or whatever from Black Rock. I don't, I don't even know what a feel Energy is. Energy drink. Shout out to Black Rock. Yeah, man. You know, we get them to support us or something. Sponsor. I, I spent a lot, a lot of time there, but um, <laughs> I love it. And we're super excited because we're going through so much transition and so much new stuff is going on here at Generations Church. This past week, we um, launched our weekly public gatherings. Like, that's so exciting. We're yeah, super we encouraged by how stuff's going with that. And we also launched a new sermon series, which we're going to be unpacking here in these podcasts. And so, Kyle, we began this new series called Known. And we're going through the book of Colossians. So, Kyle, why did you pick the book of Colossians? So, originally, I was going to do the book of Ephesians. But then as I got into my study in the last year, what I realized is Colossians kept coming back into various quiet times and studies. And so I began to dig into it just personally for myself. And what I realized is as I looked at the context of it is the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the Colossae church. And what's fascinating is this is a church that he didn't start. It's actually, it was actually started by a guy named Epaphras. And so Paul discipled Epaphras and then really sends Epaphras. And Epaphras starts this Colossian church. So Paul writes this letter. There's some, there's some issues there. And Paul wants to say, hey, you're a new church in this city started by someone else. Here's what you need to know. Here's the most important things that, you know, especially just countering some just general kind of false teaching, some some ways of looking at the world. Paul wanted to say how the gospel really critiques that. And so what I came to is, hey, if the apostle Paul was writing and he, (laughs) he wrote this letter to a new church that he didn't plant, this is what he would say. And so I kind of superimpose that on us. The Apostle Paul is not planting Generations Church, but what are some of the things that he would want Generations Church to know as we got started, as we form as a covenant community? What's what's the core? What would the Apostle Paul want us to know? And so we're using really Colossians with that lens of letter to a new church that he didn't plant as we get started. What's some of the most important things? Yeah. I love that. And so this week, we kind of took a big overview of Colossians 1. We began kind of doing the big overview of the chapter. We spent some time in verses 25 through 29, kind of really unpacking what is Paul, like what point is he driving to in this passage? And really, that's kind of where we kind of spent some of this time to overview what we're going to be going through and really unpacking. And I love where you kind of began. You gave us this illustration of what it looks like to follow a map that's wrong. And we began seeing Um, This cool imagery of these guys who go on this journey and it just doesn't work out right. And then you begin to tie this into this idea of how sometimes we go about our lives. We go about um, following the cultural um, kind of norms and we begin following these maps that our culture sells us and they're kind of appealing. And you begin kind of unpacking what it looks like to follow these faulty maps that our culture leads us to. So why are these so appealing and what are they selling us? I think that's that's a really great question, and it's funny because as I listened to you ask that question, you kept using the word uh, unpack, and hey, we're we're going to unpack this, and 
and really what we got to do is we're, 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 we're going to camp out to use another metaphorical image where this passage is going because we really are, we're invited along for a journey and we need to make sure we have the right equipment, the right understanding and the right layout of the terrain that we're getting ready to go into. And so what's important is to understand is we liken life often to a journey to, we, we think of it, uh, even I, I said in the sermon is sometimes we view seasons of life as being mapped out. Uh, we go to that because it's got that middle, it's got the beginning, it's got an end, and we're heading in a direction, whether that's intentional or we're just kind of floating along, we still are in many ways searching or trying to achieve something. And so when you, when you step back to a larger picture, you realize our world is trying to point us in a certain direction, is trying to help us face a certain, whether it's specifically in the West, in the pursuit of happiness. You know, one of the, our cultural mantras is mm-hmm. life, liberty, and that pursuit of happiness. You, yeah. you can go that to another area of the world, and they have a cultural slogan, so to speak, and says, this is what we're about, and this is what we're trying to do, and this is the type of people who live here and are supposed to be that here. So when we think about culture, specifically in our context, in our time here in the West, what we've got to realize and just be able to diagnose are what are some of those narratives that our world, our world is, is, uh, is trying to just, just give us. And so let me just share a couple narratives that I think our world is trying to share with us right now. And I talked about it even even a couple of weeks ago. So one of the one of the things is this materialism that all that is in this world is the physical world. There's no non-natural or non-physical parts to reality. It's all just right there. There's this other idea of the terms thrown around a lot called postmodernism, which basically every story is a social construction. It's we're so divided and so socially like constrained of between different developments and people and stories that everything is, is limited to a single isolated time and place, which means there's no overarching story giving meaning to our world. And so the result of that is every person's just divided and fraction. And the result is really division. And we're seeing that even playing out in our country right now is just the rapid division that we're seeing. And that's a result of when there's no story, overarching story. And so typically both of those two people are like, ah, that, that seems pretty depressing. Uh, that seems pretty, pretty overwhelming. And so the, the most popular one that I find people talk about the most is this idea of self-creation and consumption. And it's basically like, I, I don't know this larger truth. I'm just going to simply just try to be good to others. Conflict arises. I'm going to power up because I, I got to protect myself. It's really this buffered self of the truth comes from within. And really authenticity is uh, salvation. And I think another kind of an inverse word for authenticity is almost nonconformity. And so I'm going to determine what's right and wrong internally for myself. Kind of the you do you. You I do, do you. Kind of exactly. But it's, it's nonconformist. And so it's always deconstructing. It's always buffered. 
And it's always, don't get in my space. Don't limit me. And the moment you do, you've stepped over uh, the line. And so don't ever keep me from being true to myself. And so these are just some false narratives that are, that are trickling around and manifest uh, themselves in different ways. Yeah. In our it's culture. different ways in which I define what makes me happy. You define what makes you happy. We do these things in pursuit of the good life, the happiness, the American dream, the utopia, like whatever like picture we get in our head, whatever we dream of, that's what we begin to desire for ourselves. Yeah, it's, it's that you said it right there, the good life. It's what the picture that we have in our mind of what that is. And that comes from usually where we live in these, these perspectives, these worldviews, shape what we think of as the good life and so whether that's uh i don't know if laziness is a good good word but maybe just apathy you know i'm not gonna engage i'm gonna stay distant keep everybody at arm's length and just mm-hmm. you know I, I see i'm seeing that more and more because there's an unwillingness to engage in conflict because there's so much divisiveness yeah. and conflict it's the out social there. disengagement of our culture yes yeah. and it's it's so it's easier to get distracted i mean frankly uh, it's easier rather than have a difficult conversation with someone and look someone in the eye and figure out and, and even just listen to their story. It's easier to just pull up your phone and start scrolling. Yeah. You know, the awkwardness of how do I start a new conversation with someone that I don't know? And if we talk about something we're not supposed to talk about, like <laughs> how, what what type of comp- meaning, like you know, whether it's politics or religion or, you know, all these things where you know, we're not really supposed to talk about because we only talk about them online and all we know is when we talk about them online, there's, yeah. there's all this conflict. And so to, to come back to the point of really what we have to understand is we're all being shaped and understanding with what is shaping us and whom is shaping us. Yeah. And really, if I had to boil it back down to it, is probably the single most, uh, probably dominant thing that's shaping us right now are our phones. And so to, to yeah. use Trevin Wax's uh, analogy in This Is Our Time, he says our phone is a myth teller and our phones paint usually one of those three pictures yeah. about the myth of what the good life is. Yeah, we begin to try to put off this uh, kind of this persona of receiving the immediate benefits and we're like, oh, whatever makes them happy, as long as they're happy in the moment, as soon as they get receive that joy receive that peace if they're if they're at peace with it if they're if it if they enjoy it good for them is kind of the mentality in which we see and almost what kind of the culture sells us is this idea of what does it look like to receive and achieve this immediate good life and the happiness and the joy that comes immediately dependent like independent of a creator god in which we see and they begin to um, focus on what happens here in the moment rather than the consequences that yeah. come later down the line. Yes. Yes. It's very temporary pleasure at the expense of long-term consequences. And furthermore, it's living life independent of a creator God. And yeah. so it's, it's very uh, imminent versus what, what we crave for the transcendent. I think that's, that's a piece that we shouldn't overlook. And yeah. that's, that's some of why this series I think is so important to, to recognize that God makes himself known to us. So that little bit that's in us that craves the transcendent, yeah. um, God makes himself known to us. And I think that's why we're so prone uh, to, to the distraction, because in some ways we're afraid to be alone with our thoughts. And so rather than be alone with our thoughts and recognize 
we, there is something more or there is something empty that we're experiencing, whether even if even if life is good in every sense mm. of the world, to be alone with our thoughts and recognize uh, there might be something more than just my success or my comfort or the approval of others yeah. that that's not lasting. Our minds begin to drift into a longing for and for this tra- with that unknown. Yeah, yeah. Th- this transcendent, and yeah, the the beautiful thing about the, the Christian. Uh, faith, the Christian worldview, is that the God of the Bible makes himself known to us. Yeah, and I loved your kind of transition out of what this culture sells us and what can be appealing about it, and we jump right into this idea that God does give us a map. He gives us a map by coming in person in human form to us to make himself known. That's really where we get the title of this series of this idea of known is that, yes, God sees us, and he intentionally makes himself known by coming in human form. And so, Kyle, mm. let's unpack that a little bit. Like, what is the implication of, of this, and what? how does this kind of shape and form our understanding of knowing God? Mm. Well, I, I mentioned that word, that transcendent. So this ethereal, invisible thing that's beyond this physical world. So very in contrast yeah. to, to that materialistic worldview is this longing for something other. And so oftentimes what we, what we think is, is what is this other? What is this God? He's creator God. And so we, we don't have a good solid picture of him. And so the beautiful thing again is we see the picture of God in Jesus. And so what God does is he shows us what it means to be truly human by really incarnating himself amongst us in the person of Jesus and shows us what true character and true priorities in right relationship with God look like. Because the paradox in our world is it's, it's, we exist in this, this brokenness world. And so we're living by all these maps, but it just keeps resulting in, in division and brokenness. And again, even for successful people, there's a level of emptiness present. I mean, I go back to, to Tom Brady is there was this interview a little while ago on 60 Minutes that he just, as he described, you know, all the success and all that was that was going on and all that was out there and what that looked like, uh, he just, there was this emptiness. He, he had won an MVP. You know, at this time of the interview, I believe he had like won three Super Bowls. He's, he's won three. No biggie. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's. He's won three more. And he, he says this quote uh, on this interview of 60 Minutes. He says, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? Uh, I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it's all about. I reach my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think there's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't, this can't be all it's cracked up to be. Mm-hmm. Now, this is Tom Brady. Anybody who's hung out with me recently knows that, man, I, I'm Creeping on Tom Brady via Instagram. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not afraid. Michigan fan. Little man you know, crush. Yeah, yeah. Little man crush. Uh, a little, doing a little fangirling uh, over some Tom Brady. Uh, he is the GOAT. So let's celebrate <laughs> the GOAT for a minute. Moment of silence for the GOAT. Um, and what's fascinating is Brady, as the interviewer, get, pushes him further. He, he says this. Uh, there are times when, I, when I'm not the person that I want to be. And he talks about this search for self. 
He's dissatisfied with his career, his riches, and his family life. And at the core, he's dissatisfied with himself. And all of you Peyton Manning fans who are listening to this right now are like, yes, he absolutely should be. All you (laughs) Patriots hater fans, like you're like, especially in the Pacific Northwest, you know, this Seattle's still better about that Super Bowl. We we should bring that up. Yeah, yeah, should have run the ball. Uh, I know this is the wrong place to be talking about Tom Brady. Uh, But it's like, probably the best way to say it is Brady's trying to get to that North Pole to use the long analogy I used at the start of the sermon. He's trying to get to the North Pole by tunneling through the earth. And he's trying to look deep within inside himself to find purpose and fulfillment. But it's not found because... It's, it's this imminent, it's this idea that what the search for truth is only found in the present and the imminent. And what we really long for is something to break in. More than that, we needed someone to break into our brokenness of our world and show us what, what humanity was supposed to be like under God's good design. And that's what we see in Jesus. And so Jesus shows us the character and priorities and shows us that uh, that God is not distant or removed from our situations or our circumstances, but actually, in the midst of the brokenness, gives us that that perfect life of something one to aspire to, but also through His death and resurrection, gives us the ability to be reconciled back to God, so that we can be shaped and be formed by the Holy Spirit, and really. Uh, learn what it means and relearn uh, what true humanity looks like in the midst of of our broken world. Yeah, that's awesome. We begin to see the characters. We begin to see the priorities of a relational God who, despite mankind falling away from who they were created to be, God created them, like God created us in his image, we're told. We're to kind of have his priorities, have his characteristics, and we left that for our own wisdom, for our life of sin, for the immediate satisfaction, yep. we became distant from God. And yet, despite that, God came to us in the midst of that. He came in human form. And I love this illustration. I can't remember the name of the book in this moment, but it's kind of this image of, we didn't just see a God who like, dropped a rope down a drainage hole and say, like, oh, grab the rope or anything. No, he came down in the midst of the brokenness yep and trudge through the brokenness of this world to come and pick us up. Well, and, and it's because we, we needed a picture. We needed something tangibly to see, to, 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 show, yeah. to show us how. And so it wasn't, you know, as we use this metaphor of the map, it's like, yeah, the, the map wasn't just a document. That The map was a person that says, hey, you know, come with me, arm around us and yeah. say, hey, I want to live my life in and through you. And that's all that's possible because we see Jesus live the perfect life, die the death on the cross and be, and be raised to life so that then that Holy spirit could dwell within us and really be Jesus in us so that we could live life in many ways. If Jesus were in our shoes and that character and priority, it begins to get expressed. And we do that very imperfectly. Uh, We know that, but that's the point of the journey metaphor is becoming like Christ throughout all of uh, life and the everyday things and every aspect over a period of time. Yeah, I love how you use the illustration of a journey because when we go to the gospel and we see Jesus, his first interactions with his disciples, it's not a, 
hey, change your life and immediately do this. You have to be like this. It's a, hey, come and follow me. And then it's after a while of them journeying with him, after them questioning him, seeing how he lives his life and the differences that, the different things that he does compared to them, that he begins to say, this is what it looks like to really follow my step. This is what it looks like to live this life in which we were created. And that's where we begin to get this picture of the church. We see Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, the impact. And we saw that in this uh, past series in which we talked about when we went through the book of Acts, and we kind of talked about what the church is supposed to look like. And I love, so you gave us this interesting (laughs) sentence in which you said, the church is the embodied manifestation of cosmic reconciliation. Those are some big words. I ain't got a mouthful. Yeah, yeah. it's just a little mouthful. So let's let's spend some let's spend a moment here. Let's unpack this a little bit. Let's kind of break this down and really begin to take the journey through them. Yeah, I think to define this well, another way of saying this would be probably universe restoration. But let's let's start with the <laughs> the, the latter word. That probably doesn't help anyone except for me is just a, a different picture, different synonyms of those words. But let's start with that lot of word reconciliation. Basically, at the core of that mean, the meaning is two things need to be brought back together to be made whole. So things like you have friends, friends become enemies, they do something to hurt each other, and then they go back to being friends. And so just in a relational sense, there has been reconciliation there. And so to achieve that reconciliation, there has to be a forgiveness. The attitudes of, of each other have to change. Uh, behaviors even have to change, which means maybe no more passive aggressiveness. Yeah. Uh, and even you, ha- you have to verbally communicate, hey, we are back on the same team. We're the same page. We are for each other. And so you go from, again, friends to enemies, back to friends. That, that's reconciliation things go back to what they were originally. And so if we apply this to our world, we see what Paul wants in this opening chapter of Colossians is that through Jesus, the world, the universe goes back into which, into, and basically into a status to which it once was. And so because we're living in a world that's not as it's supposed to be. And so I should clarify this here for a second. I'm not talking about like going back to like the good old days of like the fifties or sixties, or even for some of us who are younger, you know, the nineties when the baggy jeans were in and, and rap was in its heyday, you know, I, yeah, yeah, I I know. Yes. That that's me. All of you (laughs) know me. Listen to this. Yes. Still maybe I want to be gangster. Not sure, but we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll pray for you. Yes, exactly. Um, but what I'm talking about is going back to what it was supposed to be is that there's, there was no sin, and there was no death, there was no imperfection, but there was pure relationship, there was no shame, there was no guilt, and there was no fear. There was an ability to be intimate with, uh, specifically between Adam and Eve, there was an, an authority, there was a care that was displayed uh, in the Garden of Eden, and so what you have is this picture of this, this beautiful paradise that has no division, yeah. has no fraction. There, there is, there's a wholeness, there's a, uni- there's a unity there. Mm-hmm. And so what, we've, what we're seeing is that through 
what Paul's trying to say is he's saying, hey, because of Jesus and his death and his resurrection, the world has now has the potential to go back to being whole. Mm-hmm. And specifically, the, the point that he gets to and he makes is he says, it starts in individual people. He, he says that it's Christ in you, yeah. the hope of glory. And so first, by individuals being reconciled back to God, so having that right relationship with God, can then begin in many ways to remake our world in a way that it was originally intended to be. And so there has to be this true embrace personally with God and then helping the world around us in which we live embrace God. And so it's like something silly is uh, something or someone has to give. You can't give a hug with your arms crossed. <laughs> you, you can't give a handshake with your hand in your pockets. You have to have this openness, this embrace to, to bring things back to which they once were. And so the relationship can heal. It can be brought back together. So as we think of individual relationships, as we think about how we treat one another, even the structures and systems, we know good institutions won't always be perfect. The church won't always be perfect. But what the church can be and what it can do is be a picture of what it looks like to live under the authority of Mm -hmm. King Jesus and have good relationships with different people who come from wildly uh, different Mm -hmm. backgrounds and begin to make a community and in effect make a world in such a way that we stop to see such divisiveness, that we stop to see some brokenness, that we stop to see uh, just painful consequences. And because people are experiencing a change in character Mm -hmm. and priorities. Yeah, it's going back to the image in which Jesus displays through us, the um, human of God becoming human, taking on flesh and showing us what it means to be made in his image and what it looks like to walk and follow in that. It's us reflecting that image, creating a community of that, and going into the universal, the cosmic world and sharing that story. Well, you you hear people all the time say, you know, I just throw it out into the universe or, you know, throw it out into the (laughs) cosmos. And what they're talking about is they're not talking about necessarily any physical thing. They're just talking about that, that, that the, the larger reality of, of what is. And so what the church does, again, just as Jesus does for God, is what the church does is say, hey, actually, God is in control of everything that is. And so the church is the picture of, of what it looks like to have a world that's united with Christ and basically lives under his original design. And so we see that when people say yes to Jesus, when by grace through faith and responding in baptism, they get to be the physical representations of a larger spiritual uh, reality. And so right now we don't see Jesus on that throne, um, but people do see Christians living under his direction and authority within our world. And so uh, I, I hear some kids outside right now getting ready to come home uh, from school. And so that just brings a picture to my mind of, you know, when kids go to school and they meet their teacher and a lot of ways, the kids are the representation of their parents in the school. They're the result of their upbringing. They're the result of, yeah. of training and what home life and education. And we know that's, that's not always perfect, but it's always fun because then when the teacher, you know, meets, meets the parents, 
uh, they're like, okay, like the reason your kid is the way it is, is it's, it's the reaction or it's the response of the, you know, from mm. being in relationship with, with the parent. And so yeah. it's, it's that upbringing is that it's that, it's that direction that the kid again, lives out the training that his parents gives. And so in a lot of ways, just again, as we're learning to live, to live in such a way what it, for what it looks like to have Jesus' character and priorities every single day because we want to be the best representation uh, of our Father in heaven uh, yeah. in the midst of our world. And so just as, just as I want uh, Xavier when he goes to school to be the <laughs> best possible representation uh, of his parents, uh, so that just, just as, I, as you think through that of, carrying on the family name where you aren't like where you're not or living that out in a very just just temporary sense that's awesome that's a i like that illustration it's like the fun illustration to begin thinking about of how we have a we have a god who literally came to us to show us the way to live and to begin that kind of discipleship process in which we talk about which is just him kind of showing us and walking with us and coming and dealing with what we have to deal with and saying, hey, this is how you can begin to walk yeah. through our day-to-day. And he gives us an ability to do that. And that's where Colossians, as we get into in later mm-hmm. weeks, you begin to see how Jesus frees us from the bondage of sin, frees us and really transfers us into his will and his ways uh, through his life, death, and resurrection. And the way I, I like to think about it is my niece, Kayland, uh, she, she put me onto this YouTuber named uh, Chris Ramsey, and he always solves these really complex puzzles. And so he gets this this like box or this lock or something, and he tries to and he's trying to solve it. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to deconstruct it, take it apart uh, to find the key to the source. Um, so he's trying to solve this puzzle, solve the problem, uh, but the puzzle isn't finished until you put it back together. And you see him at every point in his and his, his YouTube usually is he gets to a place where he's like, he's deconstructed the puzzle, he's succeeded, uh, but then the video keeps going. And so the puzzle's not finished until you put it back together. And so in a lot of ways, this term cosmic reconciliation is the church participating and God putting the world back together for what it once was. And so even we see Jesus as the solution to sin, uh, pays for our penalty, He's constantly providing for us uh, just the means and the ability to live in right relationship uh, with God. The job is not completely finished really experientially because the church gets to participate in that. So Jesus is Lord. He's on the throne. He's in control of of all things. Everything's under subject uh, to him. But the cool thing is he invites us to participate in putting the world back together for what uh, it was, how it was originally supposed to be. And it's awesome because that relationship continues in the coming of the Holy Spirit that is involved among us, that begins to help us in that transformational walk of beginning to leave beside the faulty maps in which the culture presents to us, the things that seem appealing in the world around us in our day-to-day and as we begin to follow this image of Jesus, God in human form, the Holy Spirit invites us and works within us 
and help transform our lives into what it looked like to follow that. Yeah, yeah, because Jesus has saved us again from that penalty of sin. He's saving us from the power of sin. Like, it doesn't have to rule over us, and it's going to save us from the presence of sin in the future. And, and in many ways, we get to live in such a way that other people notice that we're living by a different set of rules. We're living by a different map. And again, probably just another way I'd define that word sin there is living life uh, just for for your will, for your way, living it as if you're boss, you're in charge, and independent of God. And so, uh, which again, God created the world and we're, we're living in it and his design then, then basically anything where we put ourselves in a place of authority where we're not supposed to be uh, is contrary to to God's design. But again, that cosmic reconciliation piece there is God has given us an authority. He has invited us along for the journey. It's making sure that we have the right order in place. Jesus is Lord of all, and we get to exercise uh, his authority throughout this earth when we have said, yes, Jesus, you are king and we are not. So let's let's hit on that a little bit. When we begin to say yes, when we begin to recognize that we have this map that we've been following, we've been following the cultural world and filling our self-pleasures, finding, trying to find that good life, the immediate benefits, and we begin to realize that that's, that's a faulty map that the culture has been selling us, and we begin to encounter God, we begin to encounter Jesus and begin to see what the life in which we were created to be how, what does it look like for us when we begin to recognize that we've been following a faulty map and we begin to follow God's map? Like, how does that work <laughs> out for us in our day-to-day and what steps do we need to take? Yeah, I, and I, I think really it's that recognition. If you're at a place where there's this discontentment and there's this recognition, that's a great place to be because you're, you're becoming aware. I think half the battle is that awareness and that acknowledgement of the way in which you're living life is not resulting in that picture of the good life. And in some ways, we have to reorient and refigure out what that picture of the good life uh, is. And so that just the acknowledgement, the awareness piece, that if you can get to a place of that, that's a great place to start. What you have to do opposite of that is you have to go from recognizing that the map that, you, that you've been using, one is wrong, but then believing that the map that, that is found in Jesus is right. You, you have to go from that acknowledgement of your map's wrong to believing that, that Jesus is the map that you should follow. And so how does he stack up against other worldviews and other reaction? And I I say this often is I believe that when you you put Christianity in contrast, you know, up against other worldviews, you will see that Christianity is the most realistic of almost any worldview that's out there. But it's also, it's the most hopeful. It ends up being the most uh, fulfilling. And so... That belief in Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Mm. And so 
going from acknowledging your map's wrong to believing that he's right, and then beginning to share share that and really activate yourself yeah. and to go start take steps on that journey. Yeah. And so some of those steps, what it looks like is just saying that out loud, <laughs> saying that to others. Yeah. And then and then showing up to be in relationship with other people. Yeah. So one of the things that we see less and less in our culture is physical presence at a Sunday gathering at a church. Mm. You're not meant to live life on your own. Yeah. And so one of the best things you can do is to go from an online experience to offline and be in person with someone else. Mm. So maybe that's on a Sunday morning. Maybe that's on a Tuesday afternoon in a coffee shop, uh, having a conversation with someone about what it looks like to read the Bible, what it looks like to be in tune with the Holy Spirit, what it looks like to even open yourself up to prayer, what it looks like to receive encouragement and guidance. And so something super practical that I would say is to spend time with God and to spend time with other Christians. And so awareness, acknowledgement, if you're there, that's great. Then you got to start to discern, do you believe that the Christian faith, the Christian worldview is better than the map that you've been living? And so mm-hmm. to try that, to begin exploring that, is you got to start uh, spending time with God and spending other times with Christians. We yeah. use a word in our church called engage. Mm-hmm. You've got to start engaging. You yeah. can't be passive. You can't just absorb. You've got to start both just jumping in you've got to start connecting you've got to start uh to use a word john that you use a lot is you you really have to lean in you have to move from a position of sitting back with your arms crossed and folded and absorbing and absorbing to begin to say okay what must i now do how do i start to put some of this stuff in action and the, the very basic level start to spend time with God through reading his Bible, through reading your Bible yeah. and spend time with other Christians and conversing about what it looks like to put what you're reading in the Bible into practice. Yeah. And so we begin to see that when we begin to follow God's map, it kind of goes through some of this process of what it looks like for us to first acknowledge, acknowledge that God is King and Lord and his the truth that we see in the scripture, and we begin to believe that, we confess that and kind of begin to say it out loud because when we begin to say it out loud and begin to talk about it, it becomes a little bit more real. Then we begin to engage and take these next steps, whether it's through joining a Sunday gathering, joining a community group, serving at an event, and something that pours into the community, and really just being a part of the community of believers. And that's why we talk about being a part of God's family. Like, that's what we talk about. We want to be here at Generations is inviting people and we're committed to expanding God's family because we see in God that there is a triune community of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There was a community, a fellowship, a loving, perfect, harmonious community Mm -hmm. before creation even began, before humanity was made, God lived in community. And that is one of the things we see him continue to desire and bringing us back into that community in which he created us to join. Yeah. And and you will find yourself as you go through this journey is your dreams, your hope, your aspirations, and what you think of the good life begins to be exchanged for what God deems 
is the good life. And so the temptation is going to be to run back to what's familiar. And what you're going to have to realize is you're going to have to begin to take those steps and begin to choose to live under God's direction and God's design. And so uh, we're really excited about this series. Uh, I hope that you will continue to journey with us. And what I want nothing more for you, like from you or for you is to really just experience what it looks like to live under the map and under the direction of King Jesus. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. Please subscribe. Also, we'd love for you to share this podcast and our other social media with your family and friends. This will be a great way to hear our weekly teaching and additional conversations we're having around Generations Church. Thanks for joining us.